And so the right. idea of knowledge comes down to like, is it simple, is it complex or wicked? And then there's also the idea yeah. of mastery as well. So I kind of refer to Malcolm Gladwell or David Epstein when it comes to mastery. When it comes yeah, to education, like we have MOOCs, we have open courseware, and then we have some of these online degrees that are just literally lectures recorded, yeah. which are crappy MOOCs basically. And then the, they're basically forcing people to write essays to be turned in online through Blackboard or Canvas. Happy Friday, everybody. I hope you guys have enjoyed your week. I know that I certainly have had a crazy one, but I'm glad it's Friday. I'm glad that we're getting this next episode of the podcast out. Before I introduce my next guest, I do want to go over a few housekeeping items. And the most important one is if you're not following the newsletter, if you're not subscribed to that, please subscribe to that. That's the best way to keep up to date with all of the Thinking Project news, with all of my news. Um, because this year, 2022, is just going to be absolutely bananas. So go to daltonkjensen.com, sign up for that newsletter. Uh, there will be a way to communicate via text very soon. Uh, we're working on that right now. But in the meantime, sign up for the newsletter. It'll be the best thing you ever did. So with all that being said, let me introduce Dustin Miller, Poly Innovator. So uh, Dustin is the host of the Polymath podcast. He is a website blogger, a TikToker. He is an omni content creator. Uh, he's been doing this for over 10 years and it was an absolute awesome experience to speak with him. Um, he is also the creator of the modular degree. And you guys know how I feel about education. If you've been listening to the podcast for any amount of time, one of my favorite subjects to talk about is education disruption. So there's a few episodes coming up about that as well. So make sure that you're subscribed to the podcast. Make sure you leave a review on Spotify, all that good jazz. So without further ado, Dustin Miller, Poly Innovator, thank you so much for listening. Welcome, everybody. This is Dalton Jensen, and you're tuning into The Thinking Project. being on here and for uh, joining me today. Thank you, Delta, for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we we met through the uh, famous, infamous matchmaker <laughs> site, right? <laughs> matchmaker.fm. So why is it infamous in your case then? I'm curious. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's why. Okay. I mean, I, and when I've made a few jokes about this in the past, but it's just funny because um, matchmaker, like, my wife thinks I'm always on a dating site or something. Like, oh, I got to check the matchmaker. Somebody hit me up on matchmaker. She's like, what the hell? Yeah. I thought you so, had like some I've had other name. people say that too. They're like, they got to get a better name for that, man. Well, and I, I've definitely had to like make sure I emphasize the .fm part when I'm talking to people. Like, hey, I found <laughs> you on matchmaker. It's like, oh, well, hmm. There's like Podmatch or Guestio as alternatives too. I've also just yeah. had some issues with like actual system with uh, matchmaker where – I've reached out to so many shows or guests that I actually broke the limit where you only, you have a limit of 200 messages. I found that out the hard way after having 500 messages and I'm not oh, seeing wow. like half of them anymore. So it's like, well, crap, well, maybe someone's going like, to, if someone. 200 messages total or like in a month or like, does it reset uh, or. I think just total. Like I, I, uh, if anyone messages oh. me back, they'll pop back up and it's still saved. Like my old messages are still there from what I can see, but it's one of those things where I can't scroll down anymore after 200. And since I was doing a lot of guests first and then having a lot of uh, shows I go on, if I scroll down, I can't see my guests that I've actually talked to in the past last year and whatnot oh, wow. because they're, they're archived, I guess. And so it's one of those things where it's like, dang, I might need to scroll down one day to see those people. Now I have to go search for that person and go into the match. It's just weird. <laughs> Holy cow, man. That's bananas. Well, that's something that they I'm sure they're they're working on. But let's talk about you, my man. Mm -hmm. So uh Dustin Miller, Poly Innovator. Um In the house. You're, yeah, that's right. You're uh you you do a lot, right? Uh mm -hmm. omni omni content creator, polymath podcast, uh podcast, TikToker, blogger, creator of the modular degree. I mean, you got like a ton of things going on, but why don't you start with um, what Poly Innovator is, like why that's a part of of your brand and your name, and go from there, man. So 
from a young age, I always knew I wanted to do a lot of things. And my first employer, I uh, was the city that I live in. I was lifeguard, swim instructor, water bus instructor, fitness attendant, now personal trainer. And I bring this up because literally the first employer that hired me, I don't know why I keep saying er in a weird way, but the first employer that hired me, I had like six to eight roles. And I've had half a dozen different jobs besides that, let alone multiple roles with some of them too. And so a lot of my work life has been multidisciplinary. When it comes to content, I've always believed in doing a lot of different kinds of content as well. Even when I was only doing blogging, I knew that I wanted to do podcasts and videos. I even knew at some point, so I was like, I would really love to do interviews too. And so I knew that there was a lot of interest in doing a lot of different things. And even from a young age, my hero was Leonardo da Vinci. I even did a uh, speech on him back in like seventh grade. And he is like the poster boy for polymaths. And so the idea of poly innovator came out from me learning about polymaths, which are people who are experts or deep level knowledge, multi-specialist in a few different areas, like three to four areas is usually the number people go for. But da Vinci was literally an expert, like 15 areas. It was ridiculous, science and arts, all that jazz. So it's kind of crazy. And so the idea of Poly Innovator came out because of that. Well, that's crazy. Okay, hold on. I want to, before we go any further, I kind of want to dive into this because you see people and this is big in, in like, you know, the business space or um, you, you just like entrepreneurs in general, you know, where you have these people who are like, you know, Jack or Jill of all trades and master of none. Or, mm-hmm. or you have people who really drill into the system that you that multitasking is myth or that, you know, you really want to focus and be an expert on one thing. And so I'm just curious two things what what is it what how do you define an expert in, in the this polymath sense and then is this reserved for a special like leonardo da vinci like or, or type of people okay. or is there a way to do that for everybody so your original statement had multiple things there that i wanted sure. i got to touch on too multi multitasking is a myth like you, our brains can't multitask okay. right at least like, I mean, right at once, like right now I'm talking to you. I can't sit here and play Apex Legends while talking to you while also watching, also watching a Netflix video, right? We can't do all <laughs> yeah. three at once. Now, if I were to stop okay. talking to you, watch the scene, finish a gunfight right here, switch the task, our brains can do that very well. And that's, that's okay. you know, hyper switching, so to speak. That's just the psychology thing, neuroscience thing that I just wanted to touch on there. The other thing was okay. the jack of all trades, master of none. That's actually an impartial phrase. That, that's only half of the phrase. It continues, but oftentimes better than a master of one. And that phrase got chopped off because we live in such a specialist society for the past hundred years or so. And so it's kind of interesting how like jack of trades, master of none sounds really negative, but oftentimes better than a master of one, or even an alternative is sometimes better better than master of one, depending on what context and origin you're looking at. It's still better and it's still a positive saying, but jack of all trades is still kind of one of those things where people uh, envision someone who dabbles or at the very least is a novice in many different areas, which I would consider novice more than dabbling, so to speak. Sure. And so like when it comes to someone spreading themselves too thin as you were, that's something that's one of those things where like, yeah, that's not necessarily that great. Although you might be curious about a lot of things and you should indulge in your curiosities. And that is a positive thing. There comes a point where you should focus on one thing, at least for a time. And then you could switch tasks to doing something else. Switching between different interests is not necessarily, uh, what's the word, dilettante per se. You're not necessarily just like dabbling. You're switching with control. You're switching like, hey, I'm no longer interested in this right now. I need to focus on something else that will drive me to actually be interested in doing it, something that I can actually get something done. Now, you asked me how to define expert in polymathy is the exact same way you would define expert in specialism, Right. Finding an expert is someone who knows so much about some particular topic and area, right? A specialist usually knows something around maybe top 30, top 20% of a certain field. And sometimes mm-hmm. you can even go down to like 60% knowledge in that field. And you would be someone who is a dabbler at like 20, 30%, so, or something sure. like that. A polymath sure. is someone with multiple interests deeply. Yeah. Okay. And that makes sense. And so I like that you bring up task switching and, and I really appreciate you making the distinction between multitasking and like tax task switching. So mm-hmm. I appreciate that. Um, when you're talking about being an expert, 
how much does experience play in that? And, and how do you, you know, cause you're talking about knowledge in the top 20 or, you know, 30%. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm in a, I'm in a field like sales. Um, maybe, maybe it's because I'm, I'm like humble or maybe I'm too humble or maybe or whatever, but I wouldn't, I've been in sales for a really long time, have a lot of good experience in it. Uh, do a lot, do a lot of things really well. I don't know if I'd call myself an expert, but I have the experience that would be, but, but in sales to me, it would be, it would be more like, you know, you'd have to have a balance between experience and knowledge. And I'm just curious on your thoughts with that. Well, every skill set. So there's, there's hard skills and there's soft skills too, or complex sure, sure. and simple. Like chess mm-hmm. is very predictable, right? You can, you can necessarily mm-hmm. know what most people are going to do given the like dynamics of how chess is. There are moves that have never been done before, just like playing cards. There's combination of playing cards that have never been there before. There are certain things you can't predict, but for the most part, chess sure. or checkers are very predictable. And then you have more like complex things such as AI, which you could be an expert in AI, but there's so many possibilities from that that you cannot perceive what could come next. And so the right. idea of knowledge comes down to like, is it simple, is it complex or wicked? And then there's also the idea yeah. of mastery as well. So I kind of refer to Malcolm Gladwell or David Epstein when it comes to mastery, the whole 10,000 hours kind of thing, which even okay. that's not necessarily yeah. true. What do you mean? So even Malcolm Gladwell has taken back his words on the 10,000 hours, because depending if you have sure. just basic practice or deliberate practice and what does that mean kind of thing, like how, how well you practice and how well you learn can change how fast you master something. And something too, David Epstein is the author of the book Range, which has been making waves the past couple of years because they talk about generalists and how generalists are actually good for being like for our, our human race, so to speak, and how it's actually very normal to be generalists and how like some of the best yeah. specialists in the world started out as generalists because they dabbled, they found what they loved, and then they were able to go ham on that one thing they loved, eventually spreading yeah. it back out too. Yeah. Well, you know what I like about this generalist idea? Here's here's what I really enjoy that mm-hmm. people miss. And so, I, you know, I haven't read the book Range. Um, so so and I will, though, but I'm but it, it may be something in there. But I think generalism, especially and I'm going to keep going back to sales because that's my bread and butter, mm-hmm. like sales and finance. That's what I do. Um, I think you become a better salesperson when you learn different sales in different like industries and with different personas, right? Like I would have never, you know, there are some things that make me successful in the role that I am right now that I would have never learned if I hadn't sold cars first and, or, you know, and then, and then transitioned into like digital marketing and, and hearing different pitches in different areas, you know what I'm saying? And in different industries. So I like that. That's the, the, like the generalist, because if you, you know, you can pick stuff over here, they're like, wow, that's a really good application over here. If we just tweaked a word or two, it could really go waves uh, further, yeah, like, right? And it's something that we haven't thought about. Well, like using sales too, like one of the things I was learning a lot a few years back, I don't even know exactly as to why, but copywriting. I was learning about copywriting. Yeah. And yeah. that's one skill that's, I would say, goes into sales a little bit, but it's not something it you would necessarily, yeah, you, I mean, you just wouldn't necessarily learn it right off the bat. You'd be learning more about sure. just like, how do you speak and how do you talk to somebody, that kind of thing. And yeah. I've also learned a lot about sales from teaching swimming. I would give someone yeah. a free, like, uh, I guess, what's the word, lead magnet, like giving them like a free swim lesson or I'll tell them like a special yeah. tip on how to swim, my three simple steps of swimming, that kind of thing, give them a taste. And that hooks them and literally I teach them once and I'll have a, I'll have a customer that comes back at least for multiple sessions usually. And it's just one of those yeah. things where that's sales right there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I feel like we could keep going on this forever, but I'm really curious. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the point of this podcast is to really open people up to the stories of, of people like you, of, of business owners and, and kind of how you got to this point. So, um, you know, you mentioned at the beginning of your career, you know, your first job, you had six to eight roles. Um, mm-hmm. Is this something that you've always been intuitively curious in, you know, this idea that you can be a, be an expert in many different things. I know that you said Leonardo uh, da Vinci was a, you know, a hero of yours. You did a paper on it. You did a speech on him in seventh grade. Um, Did it, did it start before that or how did that all come about? Hmm. So I believe the generalists of our time are the entrepreneurs. 
and the ones who can be the early adopters, right? And because, I mean, when you're an entrepreneur, you have to wear 10 different hats just to get the freaking thing off the ground, right? Right, right, And when I start talking to people about generalists and they are entrepreneurial, they're all like, yeah, that that does explain how it was for me. And eventually you delegate, but sometimes you enjoy doing certain tasks. Like, I'm good at editing, especially, like, when it comes to, like, podcasts and whatnot. I'm good at it. I do not enjoy it at all. I can't do motion graphics very well. I can't do audio editing super well. But then video editing, I can do well. That's something I will delegate down the line just because I know that I could focus more on the research phase or the talking phase, something like that. When it comes to being a young person, when I was like eight or nine, I told my family I wanted office supplies for my birthday because I wanted to be a businessman. I had that entrepreneurial spirit. When I was 10, (laughs) I had my own business selling temporary tattoos. And that was like, that's a weird kind of uh, niche to be in for a business owner selling temporary tattoos as a kid. Right. But it's one of those things where... I put my interest of putting, because I was really into the temporary tattoos, I put my interest of putting them on me and decided to put them on other people and make money off of it. And so I combined areas of my life together to find a solution. And so even, yeah, at like age 10, I was able to do that. And that's kind of fun. That's cool. And then you kept going from there. Um, and mm-hmm. it kind of, so what, so what all like right now are you dabbling in or maybe not oh. dabbling is the right word, but what are you, what are you in right now? I mean, dabbling, I want people to realize that dabbling is not a bad word. You can dabble and it'd be a good thing. In fact, most specialists should dabble so that way they can get some cross-sectionary or cross-disciplinary knowledge. Right now, I'm dabbling uh, at email marketing. So something that, not marketing, newsletters. So I've been doing all kinds of content for years and I've been learning about email for years. I've done email different kinds, like just sending out my blog post via email or sending out a newsletter or something like that. I've practiced, I've tried but I haven't necessarily had the subscribers to see what works. So even though I was practicing a lot and learning about all the different tools, I wasn't necessarily that great at I'm reaching a point now where I have so much content that I need to start a newsletter and I have some great tools like review or ghost or Substack that I could use to do so. I even have a lifetime deal to an email uh, delivery tool. That's like really awesome that I haven't really touched. And so email is yeah. something I'm digging in right now. Uh, the other thing I told you before this call was this, this tool, uh, CrossClip, I think it is, where oh, yeah. basic, basically you can take your podcast or gaming clip and turn it into like a TikTok video or Instagram reel or YouTube shorts. And I played around with that today and I was dabbling about that today. And that's one thing I'm really excited about because I've been needing, needing to make clips for my podcast. And so it's like, okay, this could be fun. Yeah, clips are a big one. Like clips are super important like video is a big deal and especially if you can add like transcriptions and captions to it like that's a big deal because you know people what i heard was a statistic was um was something crazy like maybe maybe i'm remembering it wrong but like 70 or 80 percent of people watch those without watch videos without sound Mm. well the tool i mentioned like we are also brought to you guys by Monarch Social. Now, Monarch Social isn't just another social media marketing company because they're going to take care of you on all your digital marketing fronts from SEO to beautifully designed websites to custom videography. And if you want to know more about that, you got to check out the video they did for me uh, on the Thinking Project Facebook group um, because it was absolutely phenomenal. They absolutely killed it. Morgan and his team take really good care of you. They walk you through every step of the process and the communication is on point. So if you need a custom video, a beautifully designed website, if you need uh, custom social media ad campaigns, Monarch Socials, where it's at. They also have a podcast they release every Friday where they bring you a ton of value. So check them out, monarchsocialbrand.com, or you can find them wherever uh, you're on social media because they're probably there too. So check them out, monarchsocialbrand.com, and get your digital marketing rolling. Well, That's such a good point. My issue is that there's one tool called repurpose.io that I love and they'll, they'll do captions and even a little timeline across and they'll, they'll put it in a vertical format, but it's still like your horizontal video. Like we're seeing right now, this purple background. Yeah. And then you have like the black and stuff that goes above that. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but this tool that I'm talking about here, CrossClip, will allow me to take your picture, put it above mine then put whatever I want on the other side, but it doesn't do captions (laughs) or timeline. So I'm like, dang it. Like, hmm, I wonder what I could do to like combine them in a way. Yeah, that'd be really fun. That, I mean, and, but, but it's cool. Um, now you have something that's pretty interesting 
So you have the modular degree. When we okay. talked to you know a couple of weeks ago, um, yeah. you were kind of telling me about that. Kind of ran through that really quick, but tell me more about like the modular degree um, and your thoughts on the the disruption of like traditional education because that's something I'm super curious about. Yeah. So I sucked at high school, right? I I me too. there were certain classes like digital media or keyboarding or business that I did pretty well at. In fact, I really enjoyed when I, once eventually I got to like graphics design and web design and I didn't have as much interest when I got to the more advanced stuff because you got too specialized, I think probably, but uh, mm-hmm. I also just was overwhelmed. So I barely made it out of high school. I made sure I graduated though. I wanted to do that, but I was never engrossed into the idea of going to college, even in high school. And afterward, mm-hmm. like at my last year and afterwards, I did look, I looked around, I tried applying to a couple places even but my ACT scores were so low and SAT, I didn't even get a chance to do. And I didn't have a reason to do so really. And yeah. when it came to education, I really wanted to pursue self-development first. I, I didn't even mind taking a break for a couple of years and focusing on myself, get better at cooking, get better at exercise, get better at, like this is around the time where I was still working for the first couple of years. So I was still getting used to the working environment too. And I was trying to get more money, trying to live on my own. I didn't necessarily want to spend a whole bunch of time and money on school. And I bring this up because I was always kind of anti-traditional schooling, but I, I still gave it a shot. I even tried a new school that came out of San Francisco called Foundry College for a year. And they had a really cool system where it was kind of like more neuroscience based learning. And they had their own like Zoom kind of thing where it was a classroom online. This was well before the pandemic too. So it was pretty cool. I, I did that, but it was too slow. I did... I looked at WGU, which you can actually go at the speed that you choose, and it still wasn't quite for me. And I wanted a degree that could be like IT and business so that I could work in smart city development. That was the goal. I wanted to work in that oh, field that doesn't even exist yeah. yet, really. It's starting to yeah. exist, but it's still so new. And since traditional schooling takes so long to actually get the education into the educational materials into the school, a lot of those materials are actually expired. Like when it comes to digital marketing and coding, it takes like two or three years to get through the accreditation process. So by the time you actually get the materials in school, a lot of that information you're learning is already expired. Like learning about Instagram yeah. from like two years ago doesn't really matter anymore. And so I realized that even at a young age, I was like, okay, this isn't going to help me. So I decided, screw it. I'm going to create my own degree. I'm just going to go ahead and collect courses from Coursera, edX, Future Learn, and I'm going to put out a list and pursue it. And I didn't necessarily finish them all, but that's not the point. The point was, I went around to all these different platforms and created my own degree, organized it by semesters, like global business, sustainability, green energy, that kind of thing, and entrepreneurship and marketing. I had all kinds of different topics. And it's one of those things where I was like, okay, this is actually a really cool idea. And I need some way to prove it. I don't want to just sit here and say, oh, I took all these courses. That's great. How, how do I know that? So I was like, okay, Gary Vee was something I was listening to a lot and I needed a personal brand anyways. And I decided to make that jump because I was working on some other endeavor before that, that was more organizational rather than a personal brand. Yeah. Okay. And yeah. I'll stop, I'll stop ranting here in just a second, but the idea was to create my own do it yourself education. Right. And this yeah. idea was so cool. I was like, I need to share this with other people. And so I started sharing my journey, documenting my journey as Gary Vee says, and I was like, okay, like, that's great. But people might want to pursue their own. And some other people have in the past before me too. So I was kind of highlighting those people as well. And it eventually be expanded to just changing the way we approach education. Yeah, that's incredible. Because, you know, I've heard in the past too, that like, especially in business, and there's some things that like, so I, there's a college here that has like, and there's a few now out there that have like professional sales degrees. Mm-hmm. And I, that's one of the degrees that I'm like, dude, that was just a quick money grab for them. Yeah. Um, because personally, yeah, Absolutely. entrepreneurship, that's a money grab. Like, I don't think you need to go, you know, I remember talking to somebody who, who uh, graduated from one of these professional sales. They had a professional sales certificate and, mm-hmm. and I had the opportunity to, to interview them. And it was kind of like this power thing uh, because this person thought that they were, you know, that they were, like I have a professional sales degree and I'm like, all right, well, like, what have you sold? Yeah. And like, what are you like, ta- what are you talking about? And I'm like, have you ever, besides like Craigslist or Facebook, like, have you ever asked so- for somebody's money in exchange for a product or a service in any amount? 
Mm-hmm. And that's the, that's what you miss when you go to these like schools. So there are some educational things that I'm like, you don't need to get a degree for that. You just need to go get an entry level job, network a little bit. You know what I mean? Learn how to mm-hmm. talk to people and then get in the industry. Like sales, you don't need a degree in. Very yeah. confident in that. Um, cool. But you know, there are some, like I got, so I got my bachelor's degree in accounting. Mm-hmm. I'm pursuing an MBA. Uh, you really don't even need an MBA. I'm just getting one because, uh, you know why yeah. though? Because I wanted it for me. That's good. That's exactly why you should get it. Because the yeah, yeah, are yeah. a dime a dozen, but they are really useful knowledge if you want it. I love yeah, business stuff. Yeah. yeah. And so that's what I, people are like, you don't need it. I'm like, yeah, you don't need it. But that's why I went to a cheap college or a really affordable college um, using my sales degree right now, using my sales career right now to pay for it. Like I pay for my bachelor's degree with my sales career. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's the good. problem where we get in with where the problem we get into when we run into education, like this topic of education mm-hmm. is the money part of it. Like nobody is arguing that the education is bad. Like I just don't think a professional sales degree should cost you 50 grand at a university. Well, speaking of MBA and speaking of education, uh, yeah. there was someone before me who made her own education called the No Pay MBA. Uh, Lori Picard, yeah. I believe her name was. And so she actually wrote yeah. a book on it and she documented her journey on it. And she just basically got a courses, a whole bunch of courses from like edX and Coursera. And she, I think she only did like 15 or 20. And I was on my do-it-yourself degree that I put together, I had over 400 courses. It was insane. I eventually had to trim it yeah. down a few different times. But my point is that like she and I made a much more specialized, because it was business, but much more palatable yeah. and like digestible system to actually pursue this. And so she made yeah. her own MBA by just creating it through online mediums. And so like yeah, sure she might have paid for certificates, but that's about it. <laughs> Yeah, because, well, I mean, when then when you actually look at like the courses that are required, even at like a top tier school. So let's look at Harvard's MBA class outline. It's not anything crazy. You got financial accounting, managerial accounting, marketing, some leadership classes, you know, and it's like, all right. I mean, I've had great leaders in my life who, you know, didn't go to Harvard and I would consider them some of the best leaders in the world. Um, So you know, it's just really tough. And and the argument, like I said, the really the discussion comes around money, right? Because with the, with the internet now, like if you, you know what I'm saying? If you got one of these, you, you can learn anything, right? Yeah. And you can, and, you and I was reading, that's exactly right. I was actually going there. Um, you know, on Twitter, I was following a, a gentleman who keeps emphasizing this idea that creators are part of the future. Mm-hmm. But people are missing curators. You see what I'm saying? Like curating is also part of the future. Like I, I love creators, mm-hmm. but we should also be focusing on curators. So somebody who can gather knowledge and present it in an easy manner. So, okay. Let, I, that's hmm, two different things to talk about there, but curating knowledge is actually something I want, I want to touch on more anyways right now, because go that's ahead, something I, I've done a little bit on my own, just without yeah. having any motivation to do so. Like no one's asked me to per se, but I created a course, not a course, a, a playlist on Notion. I'm creating a course on Notion, but I created a playlist on Notion, which is a great, yeah. one of the best like project management tools out there. And a lot of people yeah. don't know how to use it. And I've watched almost all the channels on it. And I made a playlist for people to like just digest. Like I tried to organize it in a way that they get like, okay, this is the more basic stuff up here. It gets more advanced as it goes down. And yeah. a lot of it's literally just August Bradley and Thomas Frank, but there's still like a whole bunch of other great creators out there. But I curated yeah. a list for that. I did the same for education. I'm, I'm, I'm building that one out still. I'm trying to do it for exercise as well as, uh, oh crap, what's the other one? Innovation. So like exercise, uh-huh. uh, innovation, education innovation and technology innovation. So three different innovation areas for my brand that I was like, I made a playlist for so I could curate content. And same with blog posts too. I've curated a great tool, stuff like that, put them all together and help people find the best tools because they don't know where else to look. Yeah. Yeah. And that's exactly right. So that was kind of like my, that was kind of this point of the the gentleman on Twitter. And what something that really struck me was like, oh dude, that's true. Like, Mm -hmm. uh, so maybe if you can't create, you can curate <laughs> like because oh, yeah. there's a need for that there's a need for that like a genuine like okay so so one of the problems that you run into for mba let's say you want to do your mba on your own i think that's great i don't think there's anything wrong with that i think if you i think it's more about networking anyway 
But let's say you do your MBA. Let's say you want to do it like a, a, a no pay MBA. Where are you going to get the information? How are you going to determine like reliability? Right. Because I don't want a bunch of Wikipedia pages necessarily. See what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, and so all you're really doing is is diving into the power of research to to justify where you're coming up with these courses. So maybe you mirror a really, really top tier MBA and then you curate um, five or six different instructors. Because like when I tell people I got my bachelor's degree, you know, they ask me where I say Colorado State University, but I really got it on YouTube Mm -hmm. because I I found six. Like literally I had a I had a playlist on YouTube where I would just I added my favorite instructors on accounting. I just throw them in there and then I'd watch all their videos because my my accounting degree was all online. You hadn't, I mean, and, and, and they tried, right. But this was like back when online education was like pretty new. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, if you wanted to get a hold of your teacher, like good luck, like they were probably not going to get back to you for three or four days. And if you had a, an immediate question, you had no shot. I'd argue it's still new. Honestly, the internet's, I agree. The internet's yeah. only what, well, the internet's like 60 years old, but the internet, as we know, it's only about 20 years old. And sure, like web two or whatever. Yeah, well, and that's that's just until web one. Web two is only sure. fifteen, and web three is like maybe a year old or something like that. Because like I would say that they yeah, haven't three. started that. But <laughs> yeah. that's a whole nother bargain, and that's the thing where um, when it comes yeah, to yeah, education, like we have MOOCs, we have open courseware, and then we have some of these online degrees that are just literally lectures recorded, yeah, which are crappy MOOCs basically. And then the, they're basically forcing people to write essays to be turned in online through Blackboard or Canvas. And not only that, not only does it, is it not conducive to your learning, you learned more from those YouTube videos probably than your actual lectures. You just had the chance right. to talk to the, the teach, lecturer about what you learned probably when you got a chance to get to him or her. Right. And it's just, it's how do you organize all those videos in? A playlist is great, but having an actual system to interlace it or interleave it, I mean, yeah with other stuff too, because you're not just learning accounting, you're learning sales probably too, and other business aspects and operations management, that kind of thing. You need to be learning all those at once over a long period of time. So you have to interleave them back and forth. Well, and that's, that's kind of what I think colleges are just professional curators. (laughs) Like they're just like, Hey, this is what everybody, you know, we've gone out into the accounting field and we've found out that we need that, you know, that you need these, you know, let's say 20 classes, because that's really what a bachelor's degree is. It's not that many classes. Um, and then based on those classes that you need, here's what we've decided, you know, what we've found, you know, and, and some colleges don't even do that. Like some would argue, like they don't even go into the real world and ask what people need to know. You know what I mean? But generally that would be the idea that you could um, just curate these things and get what you're looking for. Right. Um, so, so it's very, very interesting. I really, I'm really fascinated about the education space simply because like, I think we're starting to see it, but we haven't got past it yet where, you know, you, like people will say you don't need a degree and that's mm-hmm. totally fine. But then you start getting in there and, it, it, you know, and it's harder to apply to jobs that don't re- require a degree than it is to apply jobs that require a degree. You know what I'm saying? So, so in my experience, so like, for example, in sales, I don't know why some of these sales places need it. Don't, you know, some sales industries require at least a bachelor's in anything, but you have to have one. I don't know why those yeah. jobs in my experience um, are easier to apply. Like, and, I, and by the way, I have a bachelor's degree. I've noticed that they're easier to apply. The process is shorter less required in the, in the interview process. But when I go to somewhere that doesn't require a bachelor's degree, the Mm -hmm. process, the process is longer. Usually there's some kind of project or like, you know, panel interview or Mm -hmm. like, you know, you know, a day long, you know, like ride along kind of thing. Um, And and so I don't know, you know, what is one better than the other? I don't know, but I think you see some major differences that, we kind of got to work through if we're going to say no to bachelor's degrees or no to college education, right. Or, or formal education or something like that. 
Well, nowadays, bachelor's degrees are just assumed that you're going to have one. I don't have one. I chose not to go that yeah. path. And Which I spent, fine. yeah, that's fine. But I spent the next six years after high school pursuing self-development. And I mean, I've never stopped. Those are the six years where I really worked at it. And yeah. I mean, obviously, I'm still doing it now, but like I had more of a growth period then. And yeah, 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 absolutely. And yeah. so one of those things when it came to self-development, though, I learned so much more about how to present myself, how to go and actually be a person like in the society. My yeah. point is, though, if I spent those years pursuing a bachelor's degree, I wouldn't have gotten half the jobs I've got. I worked at. Like I've worked at certain jobs purely because I was able to talk to the DJ that I worked for or talk to the uh, escape room game master boss. Right. Only how I interacted mm-hmm. with them in person is how I actually got the job. But I definitely agree when it comes to like trying to apply to certain jobs, especially with the AI now, they're actually like throwing out certain people without degrees or throwing out mm-hmm. certain things that they don't meet the right keywords in that resume and that kind of thing. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, and that brings up that brings up the main point of this idea about of education versus experience um, that, you know, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Mm. In, in a sense, right? Like, well, especially like in sales, like, bro, I, I've had guys, come, you know, and girls come to me who never have never talked to anybody but their family, right? Or like their close friends. And now they're here going to sell, right? And I'm like, All right. you know, and if they can talk to me and, and they can go through this little, you know, this little exercise I put them through, then I'll give them a shot. Because to me, you really never know if you can do something or not until you like do it. Right. And if you can do so, like for sales, for example, so if you can put somebody, you know, you know, a greenie in a safe sales situation where, you know, like if they if they start to lose control, I have like a senior sales consultant behind there or I'm behind there ready to like help out. Um, You can start to see what people are made of. And then and then in my experience, all my jobs that have been high paying, that have been really well, have all come from referrals Mm -hmm. every time they've come from a referral. I don't think, you know, I've applied to a lot of jobs and I've sat in a lot of interviews and I've gotten a lot of offers from from people that, you know, that I didn't have a referral to. But the best ones and the ones that I stuck with and the ones that I learned the most at were places where I had contacts and like networking opportunities like they came from networking opportunities. So I think it's I think it's interesting there. And something you were mentioning there got my brain going, but I was listening. So I ended up forgetting. Crap. What was that? jobs well oh crap i guess i lost it but um <laughs> it's one of those things too when it comes to experience for example i knew that i wanted to learn how to sync or actually no, we're talking about email that's what it was earlier email okay. marketing is something that like i've tried a lot at but it wasn't until i started practicing it and getting people like either unsubscribing or getting emails back because i have had some just not very much because my subscribers were low when i was really doing it but it's one of those things yeah. where i know a lot about email marketing probably more than most people but i don't know what is necessarily successful because I haven't necessarily had that experience yet. When it comes to exercise, when I teach someone new, I have no idea what their knowledge level or experience is. And most of the time, the knowledge doesn't really matter because I could just tell them, hey, this is why we do this. This is what we do this. Boom. The experience level is what I'm more worried about because I need to know, can they swim this far? Can they even put their face yeah. up? What's their experience level? Yeah. Can they pick up a piece of weight, like a piece of metal to lift weights when it comes to personal training? How, how much weight can they do? How, how yeah. long does it take until they actually get tired? That's their endurance. But again, that's experience. I was also learning how to speak with people and actually like approach girls or approach people at a bar. And when I started learning to sing to karaoke, I taught myself how to sing by going to karaoke during the 06 series of self-development. <laughs> and during that time too, I wanted to be like someone awesome. who was charismatic and charming here you at the karaoke bar. And I learned those skills through experience. Yeah, you well, and there's some things you can't learn any other way, you know, like eventually you put down the book, you get your at, you get off your ass and you go do it right. Because you learn real quick. Like I thought it was funny. I sat in a sales, one of these sales classes one time and I was listening to people talk. And I think the professor was giving like some um, leeway to the students. I think it was like the first of the class. And so he kind of wanted to see where everybody was at so he could teach them. But I remember in these sales classes, like people talking and and like, I would say this and I'm like, okay, you know, that would never work, you know, like in your head, in your head and in a controlled environment, it sounds really good. 
you know? And I was like, yeah, it sounds good. But if, if you've ever tried to get somebody to spend their money and that's the crazy thing about this, right? As I just tell people, I'm like, look, the only book value that matters in this world is a checkbook. <laughs> and like, if you, so if somebody's not ready to write a check and I know that kind of, I know that's old, right? But if, if somebody's not ready to like give you money, then you can't, then, then sales becomes totally different when real money's on the line. And, uh, and I'm just like, man, you can't say that in real life. And I think the professor went through the year and kind of worked out because I, I do respect professors in a sense that like, if you got to sell something, you, you know how to sell, right? If you can teach sales, you got to know how to sell. But it's just interesting that like, you got, I didn't yeah. learn how to sell by going to professional sales degree. I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> you learn more. I would, I would tell people to open up a lemonade stand before I told them to go to professional sales. <laughs> or a temporary tattoo stand. Yeah. Hey, you know what's funny about that, dude? My mother, there was a big in my hometown in Iowa. There was a big um there's a few different parades and like festivals in in my hometown. So like the 4th of July was a big one. And then we had this um it doesn't happen anymore in my hometown, but when I was growing up, we had my hometown was home to one of the first hospitals west of the Mississippi in the Civil War. So we had a national cemetery in this really small town in Iowa because we were the first, because of this thing, there was a battle there. So we had this reenactment festival, like civil war festival. And my mom would sell food and she would also sell glow sticks and temporary tattoos. That's and cool. she would put them on people. And it was really fun, dude. It was super yeah. fun. And the Earth Day festivals where I had my stand. Yeah. And it's crazy. Like how many people wanted temporary tattoos, even though they knew like we, I had adults wanting temporary tattoos. They thought were cool, you know, cause they was part of this, the festive festivities, you know, mm -hmm. obviously little kids wanted them, but I, you know, grown adults. I mean, nope. I mean, nothing wrong with it. I just, you know, you're surprised when you start selling stuff, you start mm -hmm. like with temporary tattoos, you're surprised at who actually wants to come and get them. Yeah. And it was all cool. college kids. just like, tripping out over a 10 year old selling them stuff too. It was really funny. Yeah, that's cool. Um, and, and I know you wanted to talk about a few, few other things. So you have the um, poly innovation OS. Have we talked okay. about that? Is that kind Not of today. everything that's going on right now? But okay, go. Yeah. Ahead. So I mean, when it comes to content, right, I found yeah. myself struggling at organizing it all. So just like with my do it yourself degree, I like to go kind of ham when it comes to all, having a lot of different things in a database. I had over 400, 450 courses with my do-it-yourself modular degree. Now I call it just the okay. degree, modular degree. But the DOI degree I built out was huge. I needed a tool to organize it. I used Google Sheets. It didn't work out for me. I moved to Airtable. It sort of worked out for me, but I was still missing some layers and I was still missing some uh, conveniences and that had too much meta work. Same thing along the lines of my content creation too. The planning for Instagram and podcasts and videos and uh, blogging and not, let alone all the other social platforms and all the little series that I wanted to have for each thing. Just planning yeah. those all out. I tried ClickUp. I tried everything else. And eventually I came down to Notion. And Notion, I hated it at first. I deleted my account. And then I came back, gave them the yeah. shot and realized, okay, this is actually a lot better than I realized. And it's like Legos. And I was able to build yeah. out this system where I was able to organize my life on each different scale. And over the past couple of years, I've, I've torn it down and rebuilt it back up, just like I used to do with my actual Legos, right? It's funny, because <laughs> I would always try to build the best spaceship with Legos, and I'd always tear it back down and rebuild it to build right, something right. even better the next time. Same thing with Notion. That's why I bring this up, because the Polynomation operating system is built on that same kind of mentality. Tear it down, build it back right. up. Hopefully, you don't need to tear it down, because I'm going to build out something for people to actually use that they don't need to. The whole point of Notion and building that out in Notion is that you can change it to what you need, right? And so yeah. the idea is scale. Gary Vee talks about right. concept, macro right. and micro. I've always been yeah. focused on like, what do I need to do today? What do I need to get done this year and maybe this month and quarter? And that's the whole idea behind this scale too for the PIOS is a great way of just shortening it down. But uh -huh. Putting in macro and micro is not good enough. It's not just like, okay, yes, I need to focus on what's today. Well, how do I organize that? How do I plan out my week? What do I need to make sure I get done this month? Well, is this quarter of time actually helping me out? And then am I actually getting what I want to get done in a year? Most people often right. overestimate what they can do in a year, but underestimate what they can do in a decade. <laughs> so if you can start like planning out your years better, this next decade, which is still not even that long of a time, to be honest, 
it's still going to be a lot more fruitful and productive. I've gotten a crap ton done this past year only because I yeah. built upon the year before and I built upon the year before, built upon the year before. And that's what that system's about is yearly, quarterly, monthly, daily, hourly. Yeah. Okay. So I kind of, okay. We got We got a few more minutes left. I want to get into this idea, though, of what you're talking about right here, because I think that it's interesting, right? So for me, I don't do like I try to do yearly goals, but but I am in this point in my life where like tons of things are changing, like Mm -hmm. and a lot of opportunities are coming and going. And I'm still in this like finding my path season of life, right? I know there's a few things I want to do. I know I love sales. I know I love podcasting. I know I love networking, right? These things I, I know. But what does that look like in 10 years or five years or two years? I have no clue. So like so, for me, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I, I just want to make sure I have enough time to talk about this because it all kind of comes together, really. Yeah. I can see the polymathic aspect to your life there. I can see that you're dealing with the same struggles that a lot of polymathic people deal with. And the idea that specialists think little down of generalists because we spread ourselves too thin. We're doing podcasting, mm-hmm. we're doing sales, we're doing uh, education, we're teaching other people, we're coaching. All these different things seem disparate, but right. they're not. They're all right. linked together. And more importantly, yes. they're more all linked through you. And so what I really realized is that you need a second brain. You need a life operating system for someone like you or I to organize all these different aspects of our lives so that we can properly mentally switch between them when we need to. Some weeks I'm really good at learning. Some weeks I'm really good at creating. And then they flip-flop. Or some weeks I'm actually good at both, which is rare. But being able to maximize those weeks because I have a system in place to actually do so. Same for you as well. That is the key. And one thing before I shut up is this idea of phases. So you have goals that you need to do in a week or month. You have the projects that you're working on, such as like maybe doing a marketing stunt or a growth hack or a coaching session, yeah. whatever these projects are. And eventually they right. all formulate into the phases of your life. That's where I create a poly innovator is to be the foundation of okay. all the phases that I want to do in my life, such as modular education, or uh, in this case is going to be exercise, my next phase. However, there was a phase in between those that I had no way to account for. And that was the interviews. Everyone was stuck at home during quarantine. You might have had to deal with this too. There was a brand yeah. new phase that came out of nowhere to do these interviews. Same thing for you. It needs to be modular. That's the whole point with the learning and with the output too, like your life output. These both both these things need to be modular to adapt to your new phase that might happen. Like you said, you're in flux. You're gonna have a new phase. Yeah, yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Like, so I don't. When people are like, "What are your five year goals?" I go, "I don't know, man. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to figure out what I'm. I'm trying to figure out my goals for like the next month, bro. And and I'm yeah, when, when I say that I'm not. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And when I say that, I'm not being facetious. I'm being legitimate. Like I don't, you ask me what I'm, where, where do you see yourself in two years? I have no idea, bro. Because mm-hmm. I know for me that like this MBA could open up a lot of doors. My podcast is still opening up doors. Like my podcast opens up and I'm sure you can say the same thing. Anybody who has some kind of uh, networking opportunity, like a podcast or a blog or something like that. Anybody mm-hmm. who has something like that knows life changes the next day. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? In two years, I could be doing something because of this podcast that today I would have never even considered would be even real that might not even exist today. So for me, it's, it's about like telling people, keep your options open, you know, be polymathic, right? You yeah. know what I'm saying? Just kind of dabble. I, you know, I, I, I don't think the dabble is a bad word. I, Cause I'm in, I'm in your boat with that on that is like, man, just try everything. Like if you're not in, you know, if you're not in a point in your business or life where you are forced to say no because of constraints, mm-hmm. you know, like say yes as much as you can. Like I try to say yes as much as I can right that's now. That's optimistic, yeah. In life. And that's really yeah. important. Going back to that book range, one of the things he talks about is an example that I remember, and I mean, I still haven't even like gone through that book fully, I don't think at this point, but this example was that it's kind of like an hourglass. A lot of people start out like a jack of all trades where they dabble very wide. They find something yeah. they like and they go narrow, you're, in your case, <laughs> yeah. sales. And eventually that sales, you either get bored of it, you get too good at it, or you have some new challenges and you start to spread back out. Podcasting and yeah. coaching and whatever it may be, you spread yourself back yeah. out. So most of the time, by the end of our lives anyways, we become polymaths, which I think is a hilarious kind of outcome for most specialists. They become polymaths by the end of it. But yeah, even even in the middle of our lives or young part of our lives, like we are, (laughs) we necessarily have a lot of potential, right? We have to be able to organize that. That goes back to the macro and micro. 
what are you doing in the big yeah. picture? But what are you doing on a day to day? Like what tasks you need to get done to pursue your education or your content or your job? Like having one of those right. three trifectas, what tasks you need to get done today? Mark Zuckerberg has three different companies he has to talk for, like work for. And he was talking to an interview. I don't remember who it was, but he was talking about how maybe Gary Vee actually, something like that. Uh, Mark, yeah, MKBHD. Probably. Like yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah. He was talking about like, how does he organize his time? Well, he tries to get one big thing done every week for at least one of the companies. And that way there's still some sort of progression. And the whole idea behind polymathy is not because you're dabbling. It's a matter of task switching with a, like you're spinning a lot of plates, but you control which plates are spinning. You control which ones you're working on. And eventually you'll start <laughs> adding more plates and it'll all finish correctly. They're not crashing down. They're balanced. Yeah, I think so. And, and, and um, it is interesting. You know, I, I had that thought when I got my bachelor's degree, I wanted the most general, generally specific degree I could find. And I was like, well, I want to go to business. Accounting is the language of business. Accounting is never going away for the most mm -hmm. part. It might get automated. Uh, in fact, it's highly automated. But one thing that's not automated in accounting is what all the numbers mean. Mm -hmm. um, and that's where like, but, but you don't need to be an accountant to know what the m numbers mean. You just need to be smart enough to know what they are. And mm -hmm. I think that has always stuck with me as well. Kind of that poly, like I got a degree that I thought was like polymathic because we had to take statistics. I had to take marketing. I had to take business. I had to take leadership classes mm -hmm. um, to, to fulfill that degree. And um, so it was a lot of fun, but, um, and you know what, and you know what, Dustin, I really appreciate your time. You know, we've come kind of, kind of close to the end, but I want to give you the last couple minutes um, to tell people where they can find you, you know, where they can find your blog, your, your website, if there's one mm -hmm. hub, and then to, to leave with any other, you know, messages maybe that you didn't get to talk about or, or anything like that. Yeah, I love that. And I, I tried to bring all the topics together, too, towards the last couple of questions, because I really do think they yeah, all sure. link together. And some of the best themes I've seen on my show, for example, the interviews is that the best episodes are the ones where they've come full circle, where all the different disparate topics find their way to link together. And at the end, they kind of come together. And so that's the same kind of situation here, I feel like. And so when it comes to finding me, I try to be everywhere. I try to take a polymathic omni-channel approach to my content. You can find me on TikTok. You can find me on my website, which is polyinnovator.space. You can find me on YouTube, any podcast platform, anywhere, basically. I actually try to challenge people. If there's a platform <laughs> you can't find Poly Innovator on, let me know and I can change that because I think that's a very great way to prove. <laughs> if I don't know about that platform, that's saying something. So I really want to challenge people right. to find something. Uh, but when it comes to content, I make a blog. I have over 200 blog posts on a variety of different topics. You can find it on the website that I mentioned earlier. I have a YouTube channel with nearly 200 videos and same with my podcast as well. Again, Poly Innovator, you'll be able to search it pretty easily that way. Even if you just search for Polymath, you'll eventually find me. And so it's one of those things where finding your spot in your life and finding what way you can progress forward, what the next phase is for you. That's what I'd like to help yeah. people at. And I think the first thing to do before you find what the next phase is, is find out where you are now. So I started, I'm working on this thing called the multidisciplinary spectrum, where you find in yourself along the lines of this multidisciplinary life. Like, are you a jack of all trades? Are you a generalist? Are you a specialist? Which is like, way over here. Or are you a polymath and that kind of thing? Where are you on that yeah. spectrum? Identify that, and then you can per pursue the next step, however many tasks that may be. Where well, I man. Well, that that's incredible. I know a lot of people are going to get a lot out of this interview, so um, I appreciate it. Uh, it was, you know, you're very generous with your time. I, I'm I'm grateful. So, uh, other than that, though, thank you so much for coming on, man. Thank you for having me.